Hello and welcome to the Over and Back Classic NBA Podcast. I am Jason and with me is usual Rich. Hello. What's up? Not a whole lot. We are talking about the final two episodes, episodes 9 and 10 of the Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance. Um, finished definitely with a bang. Um, you might be surprised to hear, but the Chicago Bulls did in fact beat the Indiana Pacers. Uh, which was much of the uh, subject of episode nine, sort of the rivalry with the Pacers and Reggie Miller in particular. We also get into the 1997 finals against the Utah Jazz, the first of two finals the Bulls played against the Jazz. And we get a little bit into uh, the life story of uh, Steve Kerr, who of course was a role player for the Bulls in that second three-peat and hits a big shot in, uh, in game six. So um, good stuff there. Uh, episode 10, of course, we were really focusing you know, pretty much on 1998 and the final days of the Bulls and their series win against the Utah Jazz for the second time. Yeah, I thought two, two tremendous episodes. Uh, I thought episode nine may be one of my favorite ones uh, of the entire series. I think the, the diversion towards the curse story. Uh, played out perfectly because there was a lot of people that that do not know that story. I know I, I got messages from buddies and stuff that were like, "Holy crap!" I had no idea uh, that was you know in his life, and and I think it's it's cool because it 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 set up perfectly for okay, here's all that this guy went through. Here's you know the, the trials and tribulations of his life, and oh yeah, here he is hitting like you know a, a clutch shot. Here he is winning the NBA Finals basically uh, with a, a fantastic shot. So I thought really really good job. Uh, of telling that story, and as I said, you know, in our prior episodes when we were kind of reacting to it, is I love that we're getting like it started kind of smushing a little bit where it was like ninety seven, ninety eight, like you know, there was nowhere else to go. We had kind of approached nineteen ninety eight finally, and we were getting to you know the final bits of of, of the season, and we there was nowhere else to go in the past. We were here, we were there, and I, I kind of like that thing. But no, I really I thought the curse stuff was great, and I thought see, uh, episode nine was just like a really just a really really good, really tight episode that I thought told a lot of good stories with you know the the, the few with Reggie or the rivalry with Reggie if you want to say uh, a little bit of the 98 series uh, a little bit of the 97 Utah series the curse story so I, I thought just a tremendous tremendous episode and, and 10 was very good as well I thought these two episodes it, it you know any disappointment that this thing wasn't going to end uh, with, with two fantastic episodes yeah that we didn't have to worry about that these were really really good yeah it definitely closed down you know it, it was again we I mean, every episode I think was at least good or, or interesting, and you know some of the some of the stronger episodes, um, you know, of of the series have been a lot of great ones, some very good ones. I mean, the, yeah, the, the worst one was at least you know was interesting and still had some had some good stuff in there, especially if you don't know Jordan's career really well. I mean, you have to, you know, I, I think it's hard for us to understand sometimes. Um, they're easy to forget that. You know, there are a lot of people who are going into this who do not have extensive knowledge of Michael Jordan's career in, in NBA in the way that you and I do. Um, and even, you know, you and I certainly learn plenty from this series, but there is, you know, some basic storytelling to understand, you know, this this context stuff that you you and I have been over before. I think it's necessary to tell the story from a, you know, a, probably a large percentage of the fans, you know, watching this documentary. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm always kind of amazed when I do have buddies that are like, oh, my God, I didn't know that. I'm like, how'd you know? You know, but I'm like, oh, yeah, right. I'm an, I'm an idiot. Like, I'm the weirdo, not you. <laughs> like, you're, you know, I, you're perfectly normal that you don't know all this intricate stuff about, you know, the 1998 Indiana P- Pacers or whatever. Right. You know, yeah. but I'm always like, how do you not know that? No, 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 no. And they're like, well, why would I know that? I'm like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, right. right. That's yeah, just that's me. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I'm, I'm weird. Yeah. Like people were, you know, the, the thing, especially, I mean, the episode 10, we're going to get to it. I mean, that was our lives crashing forward with Rodman, you know, skipping out to go, you know, be on WCW Nitro and fuck around with Hogan and the NWO sure, or whatever. Sure. And there's people that are like, whoa, Rodman did that. And I'm like, yeah, of course. he." Did. But like the yeah. cross section of hardcore NBA history fans and wrestling fans pretty small but you and i tend to be you know i mean like it's not it's not that extensive so it was just kind of funny that like other people were like whoa what did he do that's insane i can't believe he did that like yeah of course he did like you know that's that's i was and that was me even in 1998 i was like hell yeah rodman screw the playoffs go you know hit hit dp with a chair screw that guy right practice overrated right right i agree yeah um yeah yeah. so in episode nine uh we start with reggie um, you know, he says that, you know, he respected Jordan, obviously, but didn't fear him like he felt the rest of the league did, uh, to tells a story early on in his career, um, where, you know, he has a good first half against Jordan. Uh, and then he says something to kind of show Jordan up and then Jordan, you know, kills him in the second half. And then the end, the lesson there is don't ever talk track trash to black Jesus. 
Um, so Reggie says he always referred to uh, him as either Black Jesus or um, what was the other nickname that oh, the Black Jordan, Cat? He said Jordan, yeah, Black Cat. I either call him Jordan, Black Jesus, or Black Cat. I think. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I never called him Michael though. After that, so um, and yeah, I mean, we we get into the '98 Pacers a little bit. You know that they were you know deep team. Larry Bird is their coach. You know they're they're experience they seem like they're ready you know jordan calls them the toughest rival that you know they they kind of had during that time outside of course of you know the pistons before they broke through and won um the championship and you know you know one thing that um i i hadn't really thought about or i sort of been thinking about but never was really able to verbalize until now but i kind of felt like a lot of this documentary the obstacles that Jordan seems to face the most are internal. Like, you know, it it doesn't really come from his opponents. It comes from, you know, Jordan, you know, losing his love for the game or Jordan, like, you know, constantly trying to find ways to motivate himself, you know, finding these petty things. And, you know, of course there's the death of his father, which is, you know, external, but, you know, it it just, you know, how emotional and how difficult that is. And, you know, that a challenge, but I feel like in some respects, the actual games, the actual rivalries, the actual players don't feel like extremely tough obstacles for Jordan. And maybe that's just implied. And maybe, you know, Jordan has never say that or documentary has never say that maybe Jordan in a, in a way, the competitor to him doesn't allow him to uh, let his, you know, let himself feel that way about his opponents. Right. But I did, I felt like in this case, you know, particularly the Pacers here, there is that, you know, esteem, you know, Jordan gives it a little bit, the documentary gives it, and, and Utah to a degree as well. So I don't know if you noticed that as well, but that was something I know, I was kind of thinking about going into today before these two episodes. No, absolutely. I think you're, you're, you're absolutely onto something. And that, that probably is a lot of what Jordan's mindset is, is that nobody is better than me and no team is better than the team that I lead or whatever. So it's all this other stuff that's causing me to lose. It's not because that team is better than me or that player is better than me or, or, or they're better coach or anything like that. It's just that yeah. I like, you know, the, we, we brought up a few episodes ago when, you know, they talk about, you know, the 95 team losing to the Orlando magic. And it's like, yeah, Jordan was just tired and that's why he lost. And it's like, well, I mean, maybe it's because Orlando had like four like bona fide star players all at the same time, all in the prime of their careers, all playing like tremendous basketball all at the same time. Like it may have been that, but no, it's like, no, it, it was Jordan was tired. That's why right. that happened. And, and, and yeah, I think that's, that's partially because it tells a better story in that sense that like, here's this unbeatable force and here are the only things that can really get in their way. And it's not like this player or that team or, or, or whatnot. I think they could have done a good job of telling that story if they really wanted to, because there were, you know, there were obstacles like that. There were, you know, teams that did get in the way, but once, you know, once 1990 passes and he beats the Pistons, it's like pretty much, we never go back to this team was really good. And this team, really scared us other than the Pacers I I think is the last one you get it and that one's a little bit easy because it's like the final season it's the you know it's easy to tell that story but yeah in between that you're absolutely right it's like there is not a team out there there's not a player out there there's no there's no no hint of doubt that you know if it's not for our own mental demons we're going to beat this team and 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 that's probably a little bit of how Jordan actually thinks in 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 real life as well yeah I I can see that and you know, obviously you can't include everything, you know, you have to make choices. And, but I mean, those finals, you know, like most of those series went six games. I mean, most of those series were tough on the bulls, at least in certain aspects of it. Um, And it feels like, you know, overcoming an obstacle is a better story than overcoming, you know, a guy who was like, you know, not mentally tough or a bum or, you know, you know, just not in my league kind of thing, which I kind of feel like sometimes, you know, like Drexler, for instance, or now that's rehash the old stuff necessarily, but I I feel like that's the way it was treated to a certain respect. And, you know, the Pistons, I think, are more presented as like, well, they had a cheat to win. Basically it was, you know, is, is the implication for, you know, why they had their success or, you know, or Pippen wasn't ready yet or, or whatever. So I, you know, it's, um, I'm not really throwing that as a criticism, but I, I just thought it was just something that kind of popped in my head today before um, these episodes. But no, again, absolutely. Yeah, no, yeah. You're, you're definitely on right. something there. And I would hope that people yeah. watching it do understand that there were a lot of really, really good teams that, you know, were in the 90s. It right. wasn't yeah. just, you know, Michael Jordan, and everybody else. You know, yeah, they won a lot of the titles, but there were some really good teams and some really great players uh in that so yeah but i i think yeah. most people probably listening to us know that but you know if they're yeah. you know they're, they're i think there are probably a lot of people watching this that just go like oh yeah they were all bums and, and jordan was right. you know the best yeah and, and yeah he was, was the best but there were some yeah. there were a lot of other really really good players and really good teams yeah. and, and a lot of teams that gave those guys trouble but the bulls were were such a well-oiled machine and so well coached and and obviously led by michael jordan was obviously helps and you know 
spearheaded by you know Scotty Pippen and Dennis Rodman and all those sort of guys. And yeah, it took a lot of work to win a lot of those series too. It wasn't just a fucking walk in the park every single time. You know, yeah, like sure. you said, a lot of those games went to a lot of those series went to six games. They, they you know, yeah, right. You know, these unbeatable forces. It's not like they just swept through the league and it was like, all right, what do we do next year? <laughs> like, no, they, right. they they were taken to the limits a lot. Yeah, and, and maybe you know, with Jordan, with his grace and with his brilliance, you know, that just makes it look easy, even though it wasn't easy. Sure. You know, but you know, that just that's the way. You know, it's easy to tell that that way. But anyway, I mean, getting into the Pacers story. Um, you know, the uh, the Pacers are all bald. They all shaved their heads. Did they shave their heads at the beginning of the series, or was that like game three? I thought it – I don't know. I it, it, it creeps me out to so much uh, – to <laughs> such an incredible degree that I usually I, don't look it up. I was hoping that they were going to address it here, but I guess, you know, you can't I, put yeah, everything in there. There's I, really no reason to address it. I just no. kind of was like, oh, I'm surprised. They, I mean, okay, the bald thing was – like, Mark Jackson, fine. Reggie Miller, fine. Once Rick we got Smith. to like Rick Smith's, that's yeah. creepy. Chris yeah. Mullen, creepy. The creepiest right. is like Fred Hoiberg there because he's like <laughs> 21 years old and there's just like right. a little, I know, American History X was around the time. You know what I mean? Right. They get there a little, yeah. just get a little uncomfortable there with the, uh, the bald. Yeah, I don't, I don't know who who spearheaded it or what the history yeah. behind it was, but maybe, Thank- maybe a topic for another show that we can do. The, uh, Thank- yeah. Basketball mysteries of the 1990s. Why were the Pacers ball? There you go. Yes. Uh, yeah. Thank goodness uh, Larry didn't join in. Though that would have been that, that would have been. been oh, oh man, how cool <laughs> that have been! Like, all right, guys, we're doing it. Let's do it. <laughs> like he just you know shaves it in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. So the Bulls win the um first two games in Chicago, both by six. Jordan gets the MVP trophy. You know, um, those games. You know, tight competitive games, but not not too much over for the Bulls. Um. In, uh, but but the Pacers come back, win game three and four. Reggie hits some tough game, tough shots in game uh, three. The Pacers win by only two. But Jordan, you know, kind of nonplussed reaction afterwards. Like, you know, yeah, yeah, they beat us, but you know, they had to play really, really well, and they only beat us by two. And it was in their home floor. Um, you know, same kind of thing. Uh, game four, um, the Bulls are up by one. Indiana commits turnover with six seconds left, but Pippen is in foul and misses both free throws. So it's 2.9 seconds left. Reggie coming off the screen, gives Jordan a shove and hits three, four of the game winner. Uh, Jordan then after that, which I'd, I'd forgotten about, actually um, does get a chance at a game winner and it's a double clutch. The shot uh, bounces out. Uh, so, you know, Indiana's tied, but... MJ still, you know, saying, eh, you still got to come to Chicago. So uh, <laughs> MJ at least outwardly showing that confidence, which I think is pretty interesting. Yeah, I always, I always kind of forget, too, that uh, there is that shot afterwards. Because, you know, you, you see the Reggie Miller shot pretty famously all the time. And, and yeah, you, you really uh, – you just do kind of forget that Jordan did have a final shot there and that it was as close as it was too. like, it's right, unbelievable right, yeah. how close that would have been. And, right, and that would have yeah. really almost been, I don't want to say even more of an all time moment, but like, man, like that one especially would have just been a perfect, like, cause it's just pure spite. You know what I mean? It's like, all right, this asshole thinks he's going to end this game. No, he's not <laughs> like, you know, it would have just been perfect for Jordan to go out there and just, just bury Reggie Miller once again with that. But uh, it's good that Reggie, I guess got one, you know, yeah. thing that he can always yeah. hang his hat on. So, yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of obviously Jordan has has an incredible array of um, you know, clutch shots and big shots moment, but you know, walk off, you know, the floor shots, um, I don't think he has any major ones in the finals and you know, obviously the 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 shot in Cleveland and the second one in Cleveland are, are the, the two notable ones, but there are um you know, this would have been Eastern Conference Finals, obviously, but that this would this would have probably been the the biggest, deepest one of his career had he hit that one. Oh, and, for sure. Absolutely. And, and most spectacular one, you know. Um, yeah. So um, we, we cut – this was, I don't know, a little strange, but I guess not super strange. But they, you know, they cut to 97 to Utah rather than just kind of continuing the series from there. I feel like it kind of – on one hand, it would have kind of made sense to – just kind of do all the Utah stuff together, even though the Indiana stuff is kind of in the middle of it. That's kind of the, the a little bit of the oddness of the structure of this documentary. When it makes more sense when the time periods are further apart, but when they're only like one year, sure, apart, it's right, kind right. of hard to figure that out. But anyway, but um, finishing the Indiana thread, they kind of skip over games five and six, which end up being split. Uh, they talk about game seven. Um, this is the first game seven since '92 for Jordan. Uh, Jordan had publicly guaranteed the uh, game seven win. Um, we talk about, you know, Jordan 
having a group of security guards, which we referenced before. He talks about them. You know, these are like, you know, kind of a group of older guys that, you know, were around me a lot, you know, kind of some gave me some guidance kind of, you know, as he was later on in his career, felt like he wanted, you know, that that kind of thing. Obviously, they're helping, you know, literally with his security and helping him as he's going through, you know, the arena or, you know, public events or whatever. Um, and then they, we get into Gus Lett, who was kind of the leader there, um, someone who, you know, Jordan saw as a mentor, especially after his father died. Um, his uh, Jordan's mother refers to uh, him as a great protector. Uh, you know, Jordan would call him sometimes at like two in the morning kind of thing. You know, um, let he, he passed away from cancer in, in 2000. Uh, he's sick with cancer at this point in 1998. Uh, but we get some really touching footage of, you know, him and Jordan together. And, um, you know that that was a story that I didn't know, so that that was a cool thing to uh, to see. Yeah, to Gus it. Gus is awesome. Yeah, that was a really cool, uh, and that's you know they, they didn't go into it in a ton of detail on the documentary, but I do know uh, from from you know me researching it in the past or whatnot that Jordan also uh, paid for like all of Gus's medical expenses, like made sure that he got the best care, all that sort of stuff. So yeah, that, that's yeah. you know something that they didn't, uh, and and maybe it's probably better that they didn't spend a bunch of time, you know, really going over it. It's one of those things that even at the time, I think Jordan kind of was hush hush about it, just like you know, I don't really need this glory. I just want my buddy, you know, to yeah. to, to stay alive and, and and get the best care that he can. So you know, sure. I, we're we're not you know we're ones to sometimes you know poke holes uh, in you know the 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 veneer of, of Michael Jordan or whatnot, but that's one sure. that that's an, like an all time great moment. Uh, sure. and, and, and all-time great friendship that he had, too, with, with, with Gus. So, yeah, it was really cool that they, they included that a little bit. You know, it's, it wasn't long. It was only, you know, five minutes or whatnot, but I think it did a really great job of kind of humanizing Jordan and, and telling a great story uh, along the it, way as well. Right. And then, yeah, and then Gus accompanies, you know, the team and Jordan in, in this um, game. You know, he'd been absent for a while. Um, we get uh, clips of Ahmad Rashad and Jordan, um, you know, uh, t- talking, you know, Ahmad keeps repeating, some can, some can't, some can, some can't. And okay. then Jordan finally says, eh, don't talk to Scott Burrell about that, you know, worrying about, you know, Burrell not coming through, you know, in, in, in the clutch kind of thing. You obviously Burrell been the whipping boy throughout the entire series. Okay, so <laughs> I love, I like Ahmad Rashad. He's cool. Yeah. I, I've always, and, right. and the anti stuff, Ahmad was my guy. But yeah. he wasn't even hiding it, man. Come on, <laughs> like you're you're kind of like a broadcast journalist, sort of, right? In right. a way, and dude, this no. dude's just straight up no. feet on the table talking to MJ, like hell yeah, man, hell yeah, MJ. <laughs> it's just like, oh man, come on, Ahmad. Like, yeah, yeah. Like imagine, um, like that would not fly today in no universe. They, they, people talk all the time now about all oh, these today's players. Uh, yeah, da, 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 this guy, like. No, there would never, ever be. Like, Brian Windhorst, like, follows LeBron James around, but he's not, like, feet on the table, like, yeah, LB, yeah. like, what's up, man? How are you doing? Like, <laughs> no, you know what I mean? Like, it's like Brian Windhorst, like, just has to stay at a hotel near LeBron James and occasionally talk to him after games. And that's like, oh, man, Brian Windhorst and LeBron James, they're, like, neck and neck. Like, Amad's right. just chilling back there. There's the one scene earlier in the series where Amad's driving with the guy. The right. And I'm like, come on. Well, well, yeah. I mean, that's obviously a huge exception. And Amad being a former athlete and someone Jordan could right, right. to. I don't, uh, to be honest, I don't that, care. But... I just find it, like, right. hilarious that there's, like, no journalistic integrity whatsoever out of Amad Rashad. Right. And, that, again, I don't really care. It's not that big of a deal. It's just kind of funny that, like. Yeah. It just not even know. Like, I don't know what the, dude, at the time. Did we know that? Like, I, I was a little younger. I don't know if I knew that. Um, did we know I, that Amad was just like in the circle, <laughs> just kind of there? He, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm that I'm sure it had been reported on at some point. I mean, I'm sure like people, you know, in the know in the NBA knew, but um, it, you know, and I think I heard a couple, you know, when I read one of the Jordan biographies um recently, I think the Roland La- Lazenby one, yeah, you know, they talk about that some, and I'm sure it had been reviewed before that, but I, I mean, I didn't know that, you know, I was, you know, only about. 18, 19 at this point. So I wasn't, and I wasn't a huge NBA fan at the time. So um, it wasn't something that I knew certainly. So uh, for what it's worth. Um, yeah. And so, you know, the, uh, and the Pacers take a big league early in this game. You know, there's definitely looks early on, like, um, you know, the, uh, the Pacers could win this, this one. Uh, of course, you know, a big lead means more in 1998 when scores are much lower than they were, um, than it did now, but they were up 13, I think in the second quarter, but the bulls rally, you know, end up taking a, a small lead, but the, the Pacers do, um, get back into it. It's kind of a dog fight near the end. Uh, there's a key moment where the Pacers are up by three, about six minutes left. There's a tip ball, where um, it's Smiths and Jordan, and of course Rick Smiths is you know seven four, but he's also has a, a 
very bad vertical and <laughs> the, the ball ends up getting tipped to Pippen Kerr gets an open three pointer tie of the game. And you know, it's, um, the Pacers kind of fall apart a little bit and the Bulls take it from there. They win 88 to 83. Michael gives uh, Gus the game ball afterward. And, um, we get some, uh, great, uh, uh, we get some great uh well, first of all we get J- michael jordan with the, the must the giant mustard suit uh <laughs> that he wears afterward just like this giant like um you know yellow thing that he's uh walking around and then we get some great um interaction with uh larry bird afterward where you know bird kind of congratulates each other and then they you know they uh playfully talk trash to um each other some very colorful language used by uh, jordan there so uh Fun stuff there. Yeah, PG-13 for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, I, I think are. I think definitely are. Yeah, I definitely are. I did – okay, so – and and I guess – because I saw a lot of comments about this, about, you know, Reggie Miller saying that, hey, if we had if we had won that tip, uh, we, we may have won that game or whatever. And I see people come, like, oh, my God, they would have been up five with six minutes left or whatever. But, again – and you sort of alluded to it too. We The way that points are distributed in today's NBA – and how they were distributed in 1998 NBA, very different. So, like, do I think that the Indiana would have sealed the deal up five, you know, with six minutes left or whatever? No, but, like, five was a lot more than it is now. Like, five now is 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 in ten seconds that can get wiped out and redone. And and that's not only just it's because of the shots that are being taken, it's the threes, all that sort of stuff. But, like, yeah. look at the final scores of these games. <laughs> it was 88-83. Five's a lot. You know what I mean? Five is a very, very big lead. So I did see a lot of people kind of ragging on that and ragging on Reggie, but, but I don't think he's... I don't think he's totally out to lunch. There. I think he's slightly out to lunch. Um, I don't think it, like you're sealing that game, you know, you know, with that time uh, amount of time left. But uh, I do think that people maybe don't give enough credit to how much five points was in 1998 compared to what it is, you know, in, in, in 2020 or whatever. Yes. So um, going to 1997, uh, we go to the Utah Jazz series, the first one. Uh, Jordan, not surprisingly, motivated by Carl Malone uh, getting MVP. He does say that he didn't think Carl was undeserving of it, but it still, you know, made him upset. Um, <laughs> but I'm still so, gonna kill this guy. <laughs> I'm still gonna kill this asshole. So. Yes. Um, so uh, Jordan felt uh, disrespected by. Uh, so okay, I don't know why, but I always thought it was Byron Russell, not Brian Russell. Dude, I, I, I think my entire life I've switched. I think on a daily. I'm not a daily. I don't think about Brian Russell daily, but <laughs> on a uh, <laughs> a monthly or so. Anytime I think of Byron Russell, I I always switch it. Like right there, I think I just said Brian, and then the next sentence I said Byron. Right. I I mix it up all the time. I I I know it's Brian, but my brain says it's Byron for some reason. I, I don't think I knew it was. I don't think I knew it was Brian until today. For whatever reason, <laughs> are we sure I don't it was? Uh, we don't know. This could be a. Uh, are we Mandela yeah. affecting? Like what's going on here? Yeah. So it, well, but yeah, we, both jo- both Jordan and um. Stockton call him Brian, and I'm like, oh, they just mispronounced it. That <laughs> These up. Idiots, it's like, oh yeah, it is Brian. I'm like, I'm like, what? So yeah, um, yes. So anyway, when Jordan was on his um, baseball sabbatical, uh, he, you know, he's at a he's at a game, or I forget the situation, but he sees, you know, he goes to say hello to Malone and Stockton, and then Brian Russell, you know, says, hey, why'd you quit? You know, I could guard your ass. You know, basically just kind of trash talking Jordan. Jordan's kind of like, oh, you better let him off me, you know. And um, and so, you know, now, of course, you know, Jordan takes glee in embarrassing Russell. The first time he does so is uh, in game one. It's the game winner by uh, faking Russell. You know, he mentioned specifically that he noticed that um, Russell put, like, his weight on his, like, front feet so he could easily fake him out. Um and, you know, we, we kind of go into the back and forth of the game. Of course, the series um, best known for game five, uh, which had been known as the flu game, I guess now is to be known as the food poisoning game. Or, I, you know, I think we should call it the pizza game personally. Yeah, I was so. going to say, let's call it pizza gate so we don't have to talk about the other pizza gate ever again. Right, I, I, right. I'm really going to try that where like right. when you think of pizza gate, you just immediately think of this uh you know <laughs> you immediately think of, of michael jordan playing with food poisoning or the flu or whatever it might be or whatever and not whatever the hell the other pizza gate thing is so right. andrew bogan so, will be upset but the rest of the world will be fine so there, there, there you go well we, anything we can do to upset exactly yes so okay so before game five they're in they're in salt lake jordan gets hungry uh he you know they decide to order pizza nothing's open and you tell us you know it's it's late uh, and then five guys come delivering this one pizza. So I, I don't, I mean, obviously it's a little weird for five guys to be delivering one pizza. I don't know if I would be suspicious that it was poison. I'd be more thinking right. like, oh yeah, 
these guys have some idea that Michael Jordan exactly. is the one ordering this. They want to stay Michael Jordan, so that that seems okay. Right, like, like so super... Tim Grover, who, who's Michael Jordan's trainer, is like, right. oh, I saw five guys looking through the door, and I knew that this pizza was trouble. And it's like, no, like a call came in, and these guys were like, I bet this is for Michael Jordan. This is for uh, a Chicago Bulls player. You know, can I come with you for the delivery? Like, right. that's how yeah. it. Is. Like, I'm positive. Like, having worked at a pizza place, having worked at like, I could see that absolutely being a thing where like it was slow. Nobody else was getting orders. They see yeah. this order for I don't know who it was. I, I, whatever, whatever they call. It. I hope to God they didn't say, uh, "Hi, <laughs> Michael Jordan likes would like a pizza. Can you deliver it right now?" And like, right. then they're just asking for it. But yeah, I, I'm of I'm of your mindset that like, I think they just thought, "Hey, well, cool. Michael Jordan's gonna be there. Let's all go yeah. and see Michael Jordan." Like that's it. Like it's harmless. I don't know how you th- how you how do you poison a pizza anyway? <laughs> like, what do they have in there that could poison it? Like it. it I- the, the 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 weird conspiracy around it is like I think dude just ate a whole pizza all at once. It was probably a really shitty pizza. If you're right. ordering it at ten thirty, you know, PM in Utah, it's probably not a good pizza. I'm sure he had some libations going on as well. We've all been there, man. Like sure. you know, yeah. I yes. don't think it has to be poison. It's just you ate a whole pizza and it was bad pizza, you know? Well, whatever happened, of course, you know, famously he's extremely sick. Um uh, you know, we've all seen the footage of this, you know, uh, very famous um, um, footage, but he manages to gut through 38 points in 44 minutes. We've all seen the footage of, you know, Pippen, you know, famously helping um, him to the bench after um, he, um, you know, he misses the he misses a free throw, but gets the loose ball and then uh, and then sends a pass, uh, takes a pass from Pippen, uh, hits a shot to seal the game. So. You know, obviously one of the great uh, moments in the Jordan Mystique. It was nice to get uh, Jordan's uh, official side of the story, even if I am a little bit uh, skeptical of some of the details. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, that'll be uh, debated forever. <laughs> like, they try to kind of clear it up right there. Like, oh, this is what it was. And, edit, and like, yeah, know, it's still up for, for debate, I believe. So, uh, And that's yeah. good. I, I like a little mystery in our lives. So I'm, I'm glad that it's still up for debate a little. Yeah, and you know, and we get yeah a surprise, a little bit of a surprising detour into Steve's Kerr story. Although you know, it was definitely interesting and well worth it. And, and I think you're not not particularly well known, but um, you know, Kerr talks about you know kind of being an unheralded recruit and going to University of, of um, Arizona and then sort of being a marginal NBA player, getting his first break kind of with the Cavs. Talked about watching John Paxson a lot, and then later he goes to the Bulls, and Paxson mentored Kerr in the last year to you know kind of fill uh, the role apparently of the of the, the white shooter that the Bulls uh, needed to have. I guess you know probably a, a Jerry Cross thing. You know he just needed to have you know one white shooter on the team to make sure. Him, uh, yeah, I'm, feel okay. I, yeah, you know it, it, like especially we talk about in the '90s. Anytime we cover you know '90s game or we, we look at the '90s, like every GM was like, "Well, who's our really tall bad white guy?" <laughs> it's like right. we need to have one. We gotta right. have... <laughs> either the bad white guy or the white shooter. You know exactly. You gotta have yeah. sometimes so, both. Both yeah, is, right. is obviously better, but it's like, where's Chris Dudley? We need a bad right. guy. We do. We need a yeah. guy who's on the court for 15 minutes a game and contributes to absolutely nothing. We need this right. guy. Like, yeah. Hey, he can set screens. I'm sure. He that's true. Hard. Yeah. Really hard screens and sometimes some elbows in in, in the hips. So yeah, you yes. can't put a price on that. So. So yeah. So so um, Steve Kerr's dad, Malcolm Kerr, was a university professor. Uh, he eventually became um, president of the American University in Beirut. Uh, this is during the early 80s. Of course, there's a lot of turmoil in Beirut. And um, he ends up being assassinated by two gunmen who are posing as students there. This is around the time, of course, you know, there was, um, you know, a, uh, a an attack in uh, Lebanon. You know, I, I think 300 Marines were killed um, during that time. There's a lot, lot of, you know, violence and and all that sort of thing um, occurs, you know, in a college basketball player during the time. Um, and, you know, there was obviously not a super well-known story. Um, you know, one thing that I thought was interesting is, is, you know, Kerr was explicitly asked whether he and Jordan had ever discussed their father's debts, you know, obviously both losing their fathers at a young age. And, and you know, the fact that, you know, they had not done so, um, I, mean, I guess I wasn't surprised that they hadn't done so, but um, it, I guess it just had, um, it, it, you know, on one hand, I mean, I, I think Jordan certainly respected Kerr, but, you know, I, I get the sense, you know, that, you know, they weren't particularly that close. But again, when you're at the level of fame that Jordan is at and you have the level of status, you know, it is a little bit hard to, um, you know, be, be close to everyone. You have to, I guess, put a certain amount of distance when you're in that position, perhaps. Yeah, and, and I think also it's, it, it speaks to a lot of, 
I, I think Michael Jordan in a lot. Of, I, I I don't think he honestly gave two shits about anyone else's life. You, you know what I mean? Right. Like, and I, I don't mean right. that in like a terrible way about like like it's nothing personal against Steve Kerr. I just think honestly he didn't really care that much about like learning about the lives of any of the people that he played with, which you know I, I guess is fine in in, in one sense. It's, he's fully you know uh, able to do that. But yeah, you you don't you don't really hear from anybody about profound conversations they had with Michael Jordan about anything other than like him calling them a bitch or something like that. You know what I mean? Like that's we all, the only thing we always kind of hear from Jordan is about how competitive and how we want to win and, and games and, uh, yeah, and all that sort of stuff. But very few moments of like, yeah, Jordan talked to me about this or him and I talked about this. Um, so yeah, I find it hard. I, I, I think her, you know, in a sense is, is, is saying, well, I, I'm sure it was just too traumatic for, for Jordan to talk about with me, but it's like, you know, I, I find it hard to believe that it didn't come up at some point between those two, or I or I find it I don't find it hard to believe because maybe Jordan just never ever got to like that level of conversation with Steve Kerr um, sure. ever. And I'm glad there are people like Steve Kerr who, you know, has made it a note. And anytime you hear about the Warriors, it's like he will sit down with anybody and talk to anybody about anything, you know, with his players and, and, and I think that's really cool as well. A, a person that will open up and, and, and discuss stuff. But yeah, I, I just I've never I mean, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm just missing stories, but I've never really heard about Jordan ever really having like deep deep conversations with any of his teammates about really anything so yeah other than, I mean, other than playing or winning the next game yeah i mean maybe guys like pippen the guys who we've been with forever you know but but yeah i think obviously later on as jordan's you know fame becomes greater and you know the um yeah i, I could see you know the, the greater distance between them although you know obviously you see some from some of the footage there's certainly a level of camaraderie and a level of him. I mean, he certainly he's not afraid to, uh, you know, give his teammates grief, you know, sure. um, and, and joke around with them for sure. But um, anyway, so we go to game six of the uh, Utah series, you know, Bulls are up three, two. Um, and, you know, we get the st- story of Kerr who hadn't played well in that series, but uh, is, is in the opportunity uh, hits the go ahead shot for the title. He, he jokes about how Jordan, is talking to him on the bench and Jordan is sort of like covering his mouth and just kind of like, you know, subtly saying like, Hey, be ready. He'd learn to do that um, to do so. And then like her loudly says, Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll be ready. <laughs> yeah. So, um, <laughs> if he double know, teams you, I'll be ready. Be ready. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, I'm not um, passing this guy anymore. Like, right. <laughs> too loud. And, yeah. And then we get clips from the, uh, you know, the, the rally, the championship rally afterward where, you know, Kerr tells the, it tells a joke about Michael, you know, not really wanting to have the last stop, maybe trying to do something different. And then, and then his uh, classic line of, oh, I guess I have to bail out Michael again. You know, <laughs> right, yeah, uh, yeah. No, that's a good one. Uh, so anything else about episode nine? Uh, not really. No, I thought it was a really nice, real tight episode. Uh, a lot of really good stories in there. Some, some, you know, talking about the heartstrings with the Steve Kerr story, the Gus story, uh, and, and some good stories about, you know, the, the Pacers series in 98 and then the Jazz, of course. So, yeah, I really, really enjoyed uh, episode nine. Yes. So episode 10, you know, it's all about 98 at this point. Um at the beginning, uh, we, we get Mark Venzel talking about how Jordan's gift is that he was completely present and didn't worry about what he couldn't control, which I literally the opposite of what he did in his entire and, uh, life. I, I mean, the, the first thing about him being completely present, I get that. And I get that, like, maybe, you know, one thing that was special about Jordan is he didn't let, like, feel fear of failure drive him or, or or maybe it drove him but it didn't like limit him it, he wasn't he wasn't scared in the big moments you certainly can say that about about jordan or, or he didn't act a way in which he was scared of the big moments so um which obviously is you know for normal people like you and me is is hard to do so maybe that part is true but but yeah it sort of seems like it at least in other ways in jordan's life and maybe basketball ways this is completely true but outside of basketball it does not seem true at all no not, not so, at all uh, we get uh, Jordan's kids a little bit, basically. Yeah, there they are. Hey, <laughs> people were wondering. They, uh... It was actually kind of funny. Is is as this is going on, I started. I, I started seeing like as this episode ten started, uh, there were a few people tweeting out like, "Man, it's kind of weird that we haven't seen like." Jordan's family at all like you know I know we weren't gonna see his ex-wife or whatever right. uh, the fact that we haven't seen his sons or his daughter at all and then like literally that minute it's like boom there's Marcus and there's Jerry yeah. and, and there's right. you know I, I think Jasmine I, I believe is uh, his daughter's right. name or whatever yeah. but yeah it was, it was cool to uh see a little bit yeah. of him I mean I guess you know there's uh, what I, uh, they were all like nine when this happened so like what are they gonna say you know they're sure. all like nine and six yeah. years old so it's like I don't know are they new enough to know they hated Utah so yeah I guess, uh, <laughs> right. I guess that was about it uh that the atmosphere was tough that the boys didn't travel with michael because of you know part, part of the risk because of the atmosphere um yeah really the yeah the only um 
person we get from the Utah point of view is is Stockton. No one else has interviewed. Uh, you know, Malone's not interviewed. Uh, Jerry Sloan. You know, no Greg Ostertag. You know, I don't know if there was just no interest in getting anybody else, or maybe they ran out of time. Yeah, you know, what was Antoine Carr too busy? Like, what, what's right? Going on? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Stockton, you know, he says, well, you know, I mean, I respected them, but didn't feel an aura about them. I don't know how I could have played them if I felt that way about them. So, um, you know, and then, you know, 98, the team, you know, 98, the jazz at home court advantage. So they obviously had the first, um, games, uh, they do win game one by three in overtime game two, um, bulls win by five. So we're split one, one, um, in between, we get Jordan, and I, and I don't, I didn't quite understand the context of this. Um, but I mean, it was basically talking about like how, you know, Shaq could back down anybody, and how can you defend Shaq? And the Jordan basically just saying, saying, "I ain't Shaq, I ain't Shaq," and, and, and I. Did, did you get any more of that than I did? I'm not sure. Yeah, I have no idea what he meant there. I don't know if he meant something like because I know at this time the, the the conversation around Shaq was like the you know calling fouls on him and and how do you call fouls and what do you do? So I don't know if it was dad or something. I don't know what or, the hell this was about. Or how yeah. limited? Yeah, I I don't know. I, I didn't quite get that, but um, perhaps we'll see um later on um whether there's more to that than I really understood, but. Um, anyway, game three, uh, the Bulls just completely dominated by win by 42 points. The Jazz only scored 54 points, which was the lowest, um, about a point in any game since the shot clock era, uh, before the shot clock era, which is pretty amazing. Uh, even Bill Wennington gets on the act. He, he's the last, uh, bull to score. He gets hit the basket near, near the end of the game. So, um, weird how extremely extraordinarily close the rest of the series was like i think every game was less than five points except for this one it's so weird yeah it's such a weird game and it's like there's no reason why it was as bad as it was either it's just like nobody on utah like so carl malone was eight of 11 in that game he had 22 points like a perfectly normal carl malone game right right byron uh, brian russell one of seven greg ostertag one of seven Something named Chris Morris was two of nine. Like they just like <laughs> it's just very weird. Like John Stockton only took four shots. Like I don't know what. It's one of the most bizarre games in NBA history because yeah, like you're saying the other series, you know, 88, 85, 93, 88, uh, 86, 82, 83, 81, 87, 88, like every other game is within like you know a couple of points, and it's like oh yeah, 96, 54. It's like what? <laughs> like why did they not score in that? They scored nine points in the fourth quarter. Like what? What? <laughs> like what's happening? I don't know. I, it's so weird. It's so strange. I, I, I still to this day can't understand why they just were so bad that game. It's, it's so yeah. terrible. And it didn't linger. Like the next game, they were right back there and they were good. It's just like, oh, okay. Like, you know, it, it, it's very, very bizarre. Right. So um, in game four, you know, competitive game. Oh, well, before then, I guess more importantly, um, Dennis Rodman skips practice to attend WCW Monday Nitro and hang yes. out with Hulk Hogan, Eric Bischoff. Yeah, so hitting DDP with chairs. Yeah, this is our, our worlds are crossing here. So uh, Russell Spective, your uh, your wrestling podcast. We recently talked about Dennis Rodman's foray into the uh, the world of uh, professional wrestling. Well, most we, most we notably, we 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 fixated on uh, you know Rodman versus Savage, Road Wild, nineteen ninety nine. But uh, yeah, you can yeah. Yeah, the the best Dennis Rodman wrestling performance by far. Yes, oh um, for sure. Yeah, the, one yeah. of the well, <laughs> to be honest, there wasn't a whole lot of one he falls asleep in while the match is right. going on, so that one's right. kind of out. Yeah, yeah. that one's not good. No, <laughs> that one's out. Yeah. The other one, I mean, uh, you know, the one at Bash of the Beach '98. Uh, he's conscious the entire time. I guess that's cool, yeah, '97. But... Yeah, that one's all right. Yeah, yeah but, but... <laughs> yeah. No, no. yeah. So yes, so he skipped. You know, he he done wrestling the year before '97. So um, they don't get into that, which is you know they don't need to. But the '98 one, yeah, he a big deal skipping practice to go to it. You know, creates a um, you know a media stir. Uh, the best part, not not to know, the best part is when they ask Phil Jackson right. what he's doing, and Phil's like, "I don't know." <laughs> you know, it's asshole right. knows. You know, like he's not going to say he went to go wrestle or so you know what i mean right. he went to go to nitro to re- like you didn't want yeah. to say that but they're just like it was an excused absence they're like what was he doing it feels like i don't know <laughs> you know. right and then they just cut right to dennis rodman walking out with the nwo title you know it's just great great stuff yeah, yeah. so phil um yeah he, another quote he said you know the the he's asked oh you know what do you think about this you know taking a, a, attention away from the final he's like well it's taking attention away from you guys but for us you know it's not any, not any different so and then Rodman comes out game four and, uh, you know, has 14 points uh, or excuse me, 14 rebounds. You know, the Jazz um, 
or excuse me, the um, the Bulls win this game. So the Bulls up three, um, one in the series. Another great moment is uh, media relations guy summoning the documentary cameras to, to come over. And basically he's just kind of complaining about like, yeah, now I got to like, you know, um, now we got to try to like sneak Rodman out of the building to avoid like the 300 media that are gathered like in this other section. Uh, and a really funny moment of Rodman basically running away with a bunch of cameras uh, chasing after <laughs> yeah. and, and getting in the car so to avoid being interviewed. So fun times there. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I know that whole area too, which is pretty fun too. As you're watching him kind of run through, you're like, oh, I've been there. <laughs> like, that's awesome. That's great. Right. Like, it's really just a fun uh, area, you know, to know the United Center and know kind of the nooks and crannies of the place. But yeah, it's so funny. They see like a glimpse of Rodman. And you just see the like a hundred people just running as quickly as possible with just heavy camera gear. And it's just like, my God. It's just, it, it's, it's so, it, you see what kind of media just like, and we talked about it in, in, in prior episodes too. It's like people, I don't know if a lot of people understand just how big of a deal this entire thing was and how big of a deal the NBA was at this time. It was it was everything. It, it was news. It was sports. It was entertainment. Like, everybody was covering it. Everybody yeah. was covering it. Everybody was focused on it. Every move they made was 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 a big deal. It wasn't just a sports story. It, it was a, a worldwide, a global story for, in, in just basic news. Just everything that these guys did was was, was that. And, and, yeah, you see this, and it's like it's hard to imagine today, like, that happening to any NBA player where there's just a guy went down a hallway and just a hundred people just run as quickly as possible, try to get just a, a glimpse of him, a second of him. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's just unbelievable. Cool. And I feel like the, the media are segmented off more from athletes than they, than they were. At For sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, and I, I do, I would be interested to see, um, to look at like a golden state warriors, like average, you know, um, you know, what, what, you know, when their team bus is pulling up, what the crowds look like, or when they're going to the hotel after championship, just to get a sense of scale, uh, the difference between what it's like now versus what, what it was like then. And I, you know, um, cause I don't know exactly. I'm sure there's still a lot of crowds. There's still a lot of people that they have to deal with, but it, it's hard to imagine it being as, as massive as this. Some yeah, of, some of sure. the, some of them are really, really surprising how, how big they are for sure. Um, so, um, Go to game five. Carl Malone, it's a big game, 39 points. Jordan is 28, but only 54, um, uh, or I'm sorry, um, 45% true shooting percentage. Um, uh, he, it is close at the end. He Jordan does miss a prayer that does at least hit the rim. Um, and his quote afterwards saying, everybody was holding their breath, which is kind of cute, um, was um, amusing. Of course, the Bulls lose the chance to close out the series um, at home, which was certainly, you know, add a little bit of anxiety. You have to go back to um, to Utah, where you know they uh, it was a tough place for them to play for sure. Yeah, and and I thought it was kind of interesting. They didn't really delve much into it. I, I get you know why they wouldn't have done that, but. Um... You know, Jordan is, is is you know in the locker room, and he's obviously talking shit to Scott Burrell because it's you know an episode or minute of this thing can't go by without Scott Burrell right. getting yeah. you know sideswiped there, or whatever. Uh, but Jordan's like, yeah, I'm gonna get you guys a ring. I'm gonna win you this game. Yeah, yeah text winner, you're yeah. gonna get a ring. You know, hey, Scott Burrell, right. you're never gonna see me again. So we're gonna get a ring, and then yeah, it didn't happen. It, he lost, and right. I just yeah. kind of find that funny because it's like, man, if somebody did that to Jordan, can you fucking imagine? Right? Oh <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, if yeah. like you know, Carl Malone was like, yeah, we're gonna win the series, and then they didn't. Like, oh my god, it would have been it would never right. ending. But Jordan says yeah. it. And then fails and, and misses a shot at the end of the game, um, and it's just kind of like, oh yeah, whatever, who cares? Because <laughs> like, and it makes yeah. sense, you know, another game yeah. is gonna you know have an iconic shot and an iconic win or whatever. But yeah, just kind of funny um, that uh, yeah that, that just kind of glossed over that you know he promises a victory, he tells these guys we're gonna win a ring, and then he you know goes out there and, and doesn't do it. So yes, um, so we see Pippen with um, one one narrative obviously in the season is Pippen's injuries and he's got really bad back pain by this point. Uh, you can see. Uh, after he hits a dunk at the very beginning of it, he jams his back and uh, ba- basically misses the rest of the of the first half. Um, he is able to return after halftime, but extremely limited. You know, kind of going back in and out. Um, you know, to get treatment and to come back into the game, and basically is a decoy the entire game. Um, we do get footage of Rodman and Malone um, getting into it. We do not include the commentary. I remember uh, Bob Costas being extremely disgusted by um, the behavior here and, you know, kind of acute, you know, almost accusing them of, you know, rigging it, you know, just to, you know, hype up their wrestling match. At this point, I think it was known that they were going to be yes. yeah, wrestling yeah. each other at Bash at the Beach. Yeah. So, um, you know, uh, which I, you know, 
That, that I remember that very curious. It was very clear that Bob Costas did not like Dennis Rodman. Oh, God, no. Yeah, Bob Costas didn't like wrestling at that point, and that became yeah. very evident in, in the future uh, years. Right. And, yeah, I care about that. Yeah. Yeah, and, 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 and obviously, yeah, he did not like Rodman. And, and yeah, I, I forget the exact quotes. I'm kind of paraphrasing here. But, yeah, when Rodman and Malone are doing that thing, he's like, uh, it's hard to know what's going on out there. If this is, you know, real camaraderie or real competition or one of those fake things to, you know, promote some pay-per-view buys or something like that. It's like yeah. you can just hear the disgust in his voice as it's happening yeah. and i like yeah. the good i like the good ass slaps afterwards too to oh, yeah. like I, you always think that like right when that's done that they would just start like punching one another but they're like yeah good stuff man you're like man yeah. really like yeah. you know yeah. we hear this era about how oh my god it's these guys every time something happened they wanted to kill the other guy and steal his heart and eat it in front of his children or whatever and it's like these guys getting to like what could have started like a huge brawl and they're just like hey yeah good play man good play <laughs> they just slap each other in the ass and then we move on so you know and they're about to, you know, co-promote a, a giant wrestling pay-per-view. So yeah, uh, yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe these players were friends, even though, uh, you know, maybe, maybe. Yeah. at least friendly. Yes. Um, so yeah, the the Bulls are down uh, five at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Uh, Jordan's really struggles to shoot in the in the fourth quarter. Is you know all of his shots or most of his shots are coming up short. Uh, the Jazz are up three, 40 seconds left um, after Stockton hit the three pointer on a great pass uh, by Malone. Yeah. Uh, by the way, um, so looking good for the Jazz. But then Jordan, um, you know, he takes wrestle to the rim, uh, gets a layup uh, with 30 seconds, se- 37 seconds left, so uh, one point left. Uh, the Jazz get the ball into Carl Malone, but uh, Jordan is able to steal from him on the weak side. Malone didn't see him at all. Uh, no timeout. Jordan uh, holds the ball um, and then hits the famous uh, go-ahead uh, jumper with the, the push-off on uh, Russell. How forceful that push-off was uh, is is debatable. Um, I, I I think Costas uh, refers to it as the sort of uh, push-off that, like, uh, what, what was it, that the, a maitre d' would give to somebody yeah. uh, going to the table? Yeah, a little which, more than that. I think if, uh, if a maitre d' yeah. gave me that, I would be like, oh, okay, <laughs> reel it in a little bit. <laughs> <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> chill out. <laughs> I know yeah. where to go. Thank you. Chill out, Michael Jordan. You know. right. But, yeah, no, um, yeah, I think it's a little bit more. I, again, yeah, his momentum was kind of going that way, like, already. So, um, I, you know, I, I – I, can completely understand not calling an offensive foul in the situation, you know, but whatever. So yes. Um, at that point, uh, Stockton, uh, afterward, you know, gets a three attempt, but it misses and the uh, bulls get to another, um, three beat. So, uh, it was great to see just sort of the footage, um, afterward sort of let the story tell itself, um, without a whole lot of, you know, voiceover. I mean, you, you get, um, you know, conversation between Phil and Jordan, Jordan saying, Hey, you know, I never give up, you know, Phil kind of expressing, you know, some doubts. Um, Jordan afterwards saying, Hey, they can't win until we quit. Uh, we get Leonardo DiCaprio showing up, congratulating Jordan <laughs> backstage, Jordan referring to his movie as uh, the man with the iron face. Yeah. Instead of iron I, mean, it, I mean, it was a fucking terrible movie, so he shouldn't yeah, have even acknowledged the movie right. at all. I should have walked by Leonardo DiCaprio. Just, hey, Titanic. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. but right. um, Yeah. There you go. Um, yeah, I guess this was post Titanic, so uh, that was already uh, that was the things that did DiCaprio was huge, but at this point, yeah, so. this is in his like period where he was like making a lot of really bad movies. So you're like, man, this guy was like so good in Titanic, and like everything right. was going, and man, he's like in a lot of bad movies, and he he, he righted the ship, huh? Uh, Leonardo, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think he's doing okay yeah. now, so he's probably doing all right, yeah. Um, and then yeah, as they go outside, it's you know, it's it's uh, it's dusk, but George's like, hey, it's still daylight, we want to be, you know, get some golf swings in. <laughs> Billy's enjoying this. You know, everyone's obviously happy. You see Malone going to the bus to congratulate Jordan. Uh, Jordan later on, you know, he's in his hotel. He's playing the piano in the uh, in the locker room. I guess um, the backstory behind that is Ahmad Rashad was teaching him how to play piano during the time. So, <laughs> of course, and, and he's wearing his game shorts uh, during that. Um, you do see um, uh, eventually they cut back to Pippen, who, who's very gracious about like. Uh, you know, one of the first people to say anything nice about Jerry Krause yes. about, yeah, he, he was a great general manager. You know, I was so blessed to play with Phil Jackson. He was the greatest coach ever, Michael Jordan, the greatest player ever. And he said Krause was the greatest general manager ever. So um, then we get to, you know, the footage of the sixth championship rally at Grant Park. You know, there's a massive crowd, even compared to, to the 97 one. It's a, it's a bigger crowd. Uh, yeah, it seems like a joyous occasion for everybody. There's no real hint of like the bitterness. Um, you know, um, 
you know, the, even like Phil Jackson is complimentary about Jerry Krause um, and, and so forth. So, you know, you, you get the, um, you get the final send off and then you get, um, you know, Ryan. Real, quick, hey, real, real quickly yeah. before, before you get to uh, one thing, I, and I think we mentioned it a little bit earlier yeah. uh, in, in, in our past reaction episodes that we did or whatnot. But I mean, one thing that was really cool. Yeah. Like 10 minutes left in the documentary, we finally give Jerry Cross some credit. Not bad, but um, uh, like I mentioned too, at the time, I remember the feeling at the time was like, I, everybody just kind of wanted it to be done with, you, you know what I mean? Like, right. and when they finally won, it was like, Oh, thank God. Like they won, right. we're done. The drama, like we don't have to ask the same questions. We don't have to worry about what's going to happen next year. It's like it was a finality to it, and it was like, all right, look, everybody knows that this shit's done, that it's not going to be back next year. But let's just celebrate this right now. Let's you know celebrate the last the, the six championships. Let's celebrate the last decade. Let's celebrate the careers, and then tomorrow will be tomorrow. But like, let's just enjoy this moment right now. It was it was cathartic because it was an exhausting season where every single and you and and they really addressed that pretty well, I think, in the last dance of showing just like every time they're you know coming together and it's like hey uh pip you're gonna come back next year uh, hey uh jackson uh phil you, you know what's, what's going on with next year hey jerry uh why are you it's, it's just like all right like <laughs> let's just come on like let's just let the season play out and see how it's gonna go and and yeah when they finally won those questions were done because it was like oh okay like they're done they they won and and we pretty much know what's gonna happen now so yeah that's where i feel like you feel like phil that that weight is off his shoulders now where he can just go hey you know jerry yeah whatever and, and we're do- we're good like I'll, yeah. I'll be done i'll go get another job here in another few years i'm sure um and everybody just felt like they were they were done finally, and it was the, the weight of all these questions and all this pressure and all this sort of stuff was gone. It was just like celebrate, have fun, you know, remember the good times, and then whatever happens tomorrow happens tomorrow. But whatever, you know, they can't take this away from us. So that's why that win was so important and so so you know such a, a you know just a weight off everyone's shoulders when they finally won that title and it was finally over in, in a lot of ways. Yeah. So so Reinsdorf tells a story about asking Phil to come back. And Phil basically saying, nah, you know, I, I, I should take a break. Now, what isn't clear in the context, well, apparently uh, Reinsdorf asked this in the context of the Bulls are going to be rebuilt, but we still want you to be back. And, you know, obviously Phil's not signing up for that. No. Uh, and then we get um, you know, Jordan sitting there and then um, the interviewer says, oh, do you want to see what Jerry Reinsdorf said about, you know, why I had to break up the team? And, you know, Jordan's obviously interested in that. And then basically you know, Reinsdorf is like, well, you know, you know, we've tried it. If we would have brought everybody back, it would have been really way too expensive. And, you know, they were getting older and, it, you know, wouldn't have made sense. So basically, you know, he's, he's cheaping out basically, you know, um, and Jordan you know, doesn't buy that. He thinks that, you know, everyone, you know, probably would have come back for to go for number seven. You know, he said, yeah, it would have been tough to talk Pippen into it, but maybe he would have come back on a one-year deal, um, which I don't think is real. I, I don't I don't buy that part of it. No, I don't think Pippen's no. coming back. And I also don't, you know, and then he asked, like, oh, was it a relief or was it maddening to leave at your peak? And, you know, he says, oh, it was maddening to leave. You know, I, I really wish we could have come back and run for another one. I know Jordan says that now, and I, I'm, he may believe that now, but I think, like, you see just the relief on everybody's face that you talked about, yeah. you know, a- after winning it in 98 and like, and, and how hard it was for them to go through that year, um, you know, dealing with all the scrutiny and all the press and stuff like, it, like, do I really think that he wanted to come back? I mean, I'm sure part of him did, but I think part of him was just as glad to let it be over. And, you know, as someone who gave up the game once already, um, I think he seemed pretty comfortable with that decision at the time. Yeah, for sure. And, and I think, you know, it's one of these things, like, I understand, like, the competitive nature and all that sort of stuff and, and, and whatever. But, like, I think they ended it the best way they could possibly. I mean, it, how much yeah. better was this ending than, like, you know, them coming back in 1999 and, you know, maybe Rodman's not there. Maybe, you know, Jackson doesn't come back. Maybe they bring Jordan back and, you know, Pippen, they probably, you know, maybe they trade Pippen. Maybe they keep him for another year or whatever. And it's just, it's like, it's just like, it felt like everything was just a perfect. I mean, you get two three Pete's. I'm sorry. Now we owe Pat Riley $1,000 or whatever. Oh, man. Gosh darn it. Damn it. uh, All right. But, you know, like, you know, you get the six titles, the two three Pete's. It just, it was, you know, Jordan hits the final shot. It was just a perfect moment. And and you do, I know that everybody says, oh, they should have brought him back. They should have done it or whatever. I think the best 
answer would have been like, you know, maybe it was just better that we ended it the way we did. It just was perfect the way it ended, and and, and it all felt cathartic. And 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 like you're saying, Jordan says that now. I mean, that dude had played three straight years of 82. I mean, that dude did not miss a game ever. Right. He's playing 40 minutes a game. Like, I, I do think that his body at some point would have started breaking down. And like you said, there, there was that pressure, that annoyance a lot of time of being in the media, being a public figure and that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's it's like that's the great debate of all time is like what would have happened if they came back. And But I honestly think they ended it at the perfect time because you would hate to come back and not win. You know what I mean? You would hate to come back and you lose in the Eastern Conference fi- you know, finals or the Eastern Conference semifinals. Or maybe you make it to the finals and you're facing the San Antonio Spurs or whatever. And then you had the yeah. lockout. So it was a weird year anyway. It's just like it's perfect that they left when they did. They left on top of the NBA, the NBA's peak, the lockout, you know, pre-lockout, all that sort of stuff. It's It's just... It, it's too perfect. It's too storybook the way they did it. So I, I know, like you said, now it's easy to say all this sort of stuff. But yeah, we know goddamn well that Scotty Pippen was leaving, that he was going to get you know this sign and trade and get out of there. We know that Rodman was on real shaky ground at that point uh, with the Bulls, Jackson and Kraus, you know, and, and Jordan even says it too. Like you know, Jerry Kraus said that Phil Jackson's never coming back. You know, even if he goes eighty two and zero, that may have changed if Ryan Zorf said, "Hey, I called him and he's coming back." But like you know, still it's hard to repair that relationship. And and yeah, you bring Michael back, but. You know, I, I think it's perfect how they ended it, so. Yeah, I don't think there's, I, I mean, yeah, first of all, I don't think it's realistic to bring them all back. And even if it was, um, it's hard, without Pippen, it's hard for me to imagine them being able to win another championship. Maybe maybe if they make the right trade, but Rodman was basically done at that point. Yeah, um, right, right. And, you know, um, I don't know if they had enough depth to be able to have Jordan carry them to it. Plus, you know, lockout year and Jordan, you know, he ended up injuring his finger anyway, wouldn't have been able to play much of that year. So, um, you know, that's, that's of course, you know, another issue. So, yeah, no, I mean, but I agree. Like, as far as the story goes, it's hard to imagine it ending better um, than it did. So, for sure. Anything else? I think that's it yeah we got to we got a nice little pearl jam montage at the end here to yeah, really, uh, bring yeah, it all together really cool. yeah that was great yeah that i mean obviously the production of it was incredible you know the, the story was told and you know you and i you know it would have really been nice to have an objective look at it rather than it being from jordan's point of view to to an extent i mean i think having it be from jordan's point of view it means you get the more are unvarnished feelings from him you know he's obviously he's pretty you know, uh, candid about things that I would not have expected from him. So I think we get we get that. But this is obviously going to become an important part of the historical imprint of what people believe about this era and, and what what happened and and off and going to be kind of dominate you know that discourse, which already has a lot of things going into it. And I think it really just kind of solidifies the stuff about Jordan's legend rather than you know having anything that's critical of any aspect of it. Um, but you know that's it's what it is. It was entertaining. It was good. It you know um, it's you know I, I, I you know I, I'm glad we have it. I rather than us not having it. You know rather than it, even if you know there are definite flaws with it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's uh, you know of course there, there's a lot of ways that they could have maybe improved upon this or, or, or done some things that were more you know documentary like or a little bit more objective as opposed to just kind of telling the story through what Jordan wanted you to tell the story. You know, sure. as which, which I get it. again, like it's very hard to get, and and that's you know a perfect Michael Jordan is has his entire post NBA career has been this. It's very calculated, very you know he's not a guy who's going to give a ton of interviews. He's not a guy that's going to give a ton of press. He's not going to give you uh, a lot of him anymore. He he feels like he gave everything that he could while he was playing, so he's very private and very you know selective about what he does now. And so probably to get him to even do this whatsoever. You had to kind of say, all right, well, you know, you're, you can kind of, you know, we'll, we'll weave the story around your words, which again, it's Michael Jordan. <laughs> like, I, I see why they would do that. Like, I get absolutely why they would do that and, and, and why the decision was done that way. Yeah, there's some ways that maybe it could have been improved a little bit by by being a little bit more, um, you know, diving a little bit deep, investigating a little bit, questioning a little bit of what Jordan said. But, like, the big get is to have Michael Jordan sit down and talk to you for hours and upon hours upon hours. Sure. And he probably sure. doesn't do that unless you let him have some control. So, you know, am I – like, if the, op- if the options are let's do this documentary without talking to Jordan or having nothing from Jordan or let's have this documentary the way we did, I'll take the way we did, 100%. Because I, I, I think it absolutely um, – you know, it's still a very, very good story, and, and the things that were left out, the things that were kind of loosely, you know, that we could be a little critical of, weren't, like, overwhelmingly bad or, or, or anything that I would really say, oh, geez, that completely made it, you know, kind of irrelevant or whatnot. So, um, what I would say, though, you know, I, I thought the production of it was really good, the editing was fantastic, the music choices 
were really, really good. But uh, yeah, the one, um, you know, I guess I was, yeah, the, the objective, the objectivity of it was a little loose, but you know, it, 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 I get it. And, and the, the plus, you know, the, the good thing, the plus side or whatever, is that a lot of people I think are going to be way more interested in learning more about NBA history. Uh, over the next few years, which is really, really cool. Or, you know, at least as long as the shutdown goes on or whatever, as long as there's not real NBA basketball going on, uh, I I think it's kind of opened up those floodgates. So I hope more people kind of embrace it, read about it, learn, and and use this as a jumping off point to uh, say, hey, a lot of fun stuff in this, you know, NBA year. So uh, in the the history of this sport, in the history of this league or whatever. So I'm going to find out more about this and find out more about these teams and these players and and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, I, I hopefully that happens. We'll see. So. Yes, uh, and speaking of diving into NBA history, you can uh, learn more about NBA history by uh, listening to past episodes of our, of our uh, podcast. Uh, you can find um, all of them on uh, our YouTube channel, which will include a link in the show notes. Um, and uh, you can find us at the step back at uh, fansided.com. Uh, you can also find us on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcasts. And you can find us on social media, Facebook and Twitter, at Over and Back NBA. So thanks again for listening, and we'll be back again soon.